You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? It's the 3M Podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is DJ. My name is Sean. Just a group of friends tell scary stories, funny stories. Sometimes. And everything in between. (laughs) As always, if you're here for the stories, there should be a timestamp down in the description. Click that, skip it, whatever. But you're not real ones. Boys, Sean's been gone for like two weeks. Dude, yeah, it's been. I feel like it's been a minute since we, you know, all sat down and told scary and funny stories. Where have you been? I was uh, touring the West Coast, bro, as the 3 a.m. podcast, <laughs> trying to hit every haunted and scary thing along the way. <laughs> What'd you find? Well, that's actually going to be part of my story, so I'm not telling okay, you. We'll bro. save it. We'll save it. But at the end of the trip, we... Uh, Went and hiked the Lost Coast in California. You and Charles's wife. Me and Charles's wife, MJ, <laughs> and uh, our other friend, Janelle. Wait, what? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and a um, couple other people as well. Sydney. Sydney. She was she's on an episode. Yeah. Um, and this is honestly one of the remote, most remote places in the lower 48 that I've been to. That's crazy. It takes so long to get there. And then you're hiking along the coast away from roads, away from people, it's just so gnarly. And you just feel like if something goes wrong, you're SOL. <laughs> but there's something very unique about this hike that's not like any other. Yeah. it's You're hiking along the coast the whole time, which is something I've not done before. And not only that. You have to time it. You have to. There are two big portions that are several miles long. So it's not like just a blip, several miles long that you can't pass during high tide because the ocean comes all the way up to these cliffs that just kind of go up. And Do you have it will sweep you away, right? Um, it, it, can it can sweep you away. So you're advised not to. On a blustery day. <laughs> Dude, on an unlucky but, day, you, you never know. But thus the namesake. The Lost Coast. They yeah. lose people all the time. <laughs> Um, so during the, at least the first high tide area spot that we were hiking at, I did not take any pictures because in my mind this whole time I'm thinking if we don't get past this, we have to turn around because it will be too late. You'll be shut off. Yeah. We'll have to find another campground and we're already miles into this high tide area. So I'm just kind of like, okay, we're also hiking on like these giant boulders, like, it's not sand at this part. It's not gravelly rock. It's You're scrambling boulders. up huge rocks. So me, with the longest, uh, like, stride in this group that I'm hiking with, I'm just, like, kind of doot, 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 doot the whole way. I kind of started running because I get to this one part 
where the waves are already crashing up against the cliff. And I imagine to the right is a pretty violent ocean. And then to your left is like 300 straight up foot rock cliff, right? I mean. With boulders in between. With boulders in between, it had to have been at least 100 feet high. Yeah, not 300. I don't know I mean, where that came from. but <laughs> Either way, it's daunting. There were a couple parts I'm like, as I'm going along this coast, I'm like, if the tide comes in, where am I going to go? Yeah. I'm start looking for like like holds Hand that holds. I can start climbing up on. So I get to this part, though, where it's already hitting the side of the cliff. So I time it to where the waves hit the side, go back, and I run around it. And at this point, I'm like, I turn around and look, and I don't see anyone else. So they're way far behind. They're <laughs> way behind me. Dude, this is Sydney's first backpacking trip. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to freak out a little bit at this point. And I don't have the, I don't really have, get anxiety for me when I'm, say, on a cliff face or. You're like, uh, if I die, I if die. If I die, I die. But I start getting this anxiety for everyone else in the crew that they're not going to make it. So I started running along these boulders with my 50 pound pack. And I get to the only safe harbor within a couple miles where we're going to camp that night. I throw my pack on the ground. I'm like, I don't see anyone. No one's going to steal it. And I run back to like go and help them. And as I'm getting to this one spot where the waves are already crashing, I jump up on these boulders and start like waving at them. And I'm like, you're almost there. And little do I know, they're like kind of already like along the cliff face, just like (laughs) scaling sideways, scaling sideways. (laughs) And then they both, or they both, all of them make it to the part where I'm at. Well, uh, let me tell, MJ told me Janelle's perspective. Okay. Yeah. So uh, MJ, my wife is ahead of a group of four. So she's like, it's Sean, my wife, and then the group of four. And so she does the same thing as Sean, scrambles up the rock, times the wave, runs around, doesn't get wet. And then she gets there. But the three girls behind her, they did not time the wave. They went up on the boulder and the entire wave went over Janelle's head and completely drenched her. And she was holding on the rock and it was pulling her out. And so she's screaming, holding on the rock. All of her gear is sopping wet. And that it happened to them like three or four times and they had to like just run through. Like, basically the waves. You know when basically. you play uh, Super Mario for the first time ever? <laughs> like, like making jumps across gaps. Like or timing and stuff. Timing things. Bro, I felt very I much it. like Frogger at this point. <laughs> oh. Like, I'm trying to make it across this as waves are crashing onto the wall in front of me. It was very anxiety-inducing for me for them, <laughs> which is the first time that that's ever happened to me. That's awesome. So, we all survived. The first day was pretty gnarly. Like, we were hiking in sand for a chunk, and the wind was blowing right at us the whole time, slowing us down. The first five minutes, MJ's jacket blew off, and she couldn't find and it. She didn't have a rain jacket the so rest of the time. So she hiked in a t-shirt the whole time <laughs> in the rain. So and we, you're, you were in, uh, hiking on wet sand. Wet sand and gravel rock, and then these giant boulders, like, intermittently throughout this hike. It's like you don't have, like, Let short footing the entire time. It was beautiful once the fog lifted and I could see it. But the fog was also there for like a day and a half. So I couldn't see anything. But we like make it to our campground after the high tide area at like 4 p.m. Everyone throws up their tents and just gets in their tents and stays there for the rest of From the night. From 4 to like 9 a.m. <laughs> the next morning, everyone just laid in everyone their was wet like tents. Laying in their day tents. One. And yeah. I'm like already soaked because it's raining. 
And so I like take off my shirt, take off like my pants. And I start running around through all the forest, just like exploring. <laughs> As one does. And I started like washing my clothes in the river. Cause I didn't want it to be like mm. salty wet. I want it to one, be like, Elder. like, you know, fresh wet, fresh wet. Yeah. Bro, I heard several people broke down in tents. A lot of tears were had. Someone was like, I'm going back. And they were like, to what? Like we took a shuttle here. Yeah, Our so car we is had two to park, miles away. We had to or park two hours at, away, rather. Yeah, we had to park at one end of this hike and take a shuttle to the other end. And it takes two hours to take that shuttle all the way out through the mountains and then back through the mountains to the other spot. So there was no way. Love it. And yeah, there was a little breaking down, but we they all persevered. Made it. The sun came out. They finished the hike. They brought a dog with them, and at one point, the dog would not move. They spent <laughs> like two hours trying to coax it. It wouldn't move three feet. Yeah. So the other guy who was with Sean had to empty his pack out, put it in his girlfriend's pack. So it brought her pack from like 40 to 80. And he had to pick his <laughs> dog up and pound put dog. his dog in his backpack. And <laughs> he hiked it eight miles on his back. And then uh, like almost at the end, MJ looks over at Sydney. Mind you, this is her first backpacking trip. And she said she kept seeing Sydney go like this. Like this. Just like kind of like readjusting her back, readjusting her shoulders and her back. Yeah. MJ was like, are you okay? Like, what are you doing? Is where's the weight? Make sure it's like mostly on your hips. And she was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you got to make sure like your hip strap is buckled and it's mostly on your hips. And she's like, oh, that broke like three minutes into the hike. (laughs) She also got smashed by the way on her shoulders on her shoulders for 24 miles. Yeah, it was 25 total. So after three miles, 22 miles left of. But they survived. <laughs> it turned out to be a great story, <laughs> which is why we're sharing it with you right now. Dude, you guys like this, huh? You guys like putting yourself for the great story? Yeah. Okay. Through. So I feel a little bad, but as everyone else was in their tents that first night and I'm just wandering around, I started laughing so hard because it was so ridiculous. Like how crappy it is? It was so crappy. I so the same windy thing, and rainy and miserable and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> just laughing in the face of death. I get that. <laughs> I like grabbed something for MJ and took it over to the tent and I was laughing at the same time. And I'm sure that everyone's them so off. upset. <laughs> that's, I think that's when they started crying is when they heard you actually, laugh. I think so. That's what they they thought me. I They're was like, crying, we're with actually. a psycho here. <laughs> yeah. It's maniacal. Uh, your last day though. The last day was beautiful. So we hiked for three days total. The second day was half fog, half sun. So we got a little bit of both worlds. The third day we were hiking though all sunshine. We came to this place. It's called Black Sands Beach. And it's just miles of this black sand. Just, it, we Beach. felt like we were, we felt like we were on like a Hawaiian island. Want to look it up? Like, that's what? how dope it looked. Like, the water was crystal clear. And obviously, with like native Hawaiian here, it's kind of insulting to say that. But <laughs> I, I was told it was like way better than Hawaii. Oh, the Cal- the California beach. I, don't, oh, I, don't I believe know. it. I believe it. <laughs> That's good. So the last day just made everything worth it. I'd say the last day made the trip worth it. And if I went back and did it again, what I would do is I would park down at the same place I parked and just hike up to where we camped that last night and just spend time on that portion. That's what I will be doing. Yeah. I had to stay home because my dog yeah, is dude, it looked becoming like a woman. this right here. And the water was crystal clear blue. Uh, get one with like the blue sky right there. That's what it looked like. That's gorgeous. That does look like Hawaii. I'll give you that. It, like it really did. Like, like I got I was Patrick in the it. corner. 
we saw a fair amount of, you know, uh, starfish. Yeah. Cool. Seal. We're happy you made it safe. Yeah, no. It was it was a good time. At one point, did we did you tell him? Your mom called us. Oh because yeah? she was so worried about you. She said, I don't see Sean's location, I'll find my friends. He hasn't answered my calls. And he's not posting to IG, which is uncharacteristic <laughs> of him. Okay, so in my defense, I thought that Find My Friends still showed like my last location available. Not anymore. They used to. Don't have reception. Yeah. Because we didn't have reception. At least I didn't have reception for three days, at least. And she called you guys. My dad called me. She called me twice, left voicemails, left 14 messages. Oh, gosh. I was like, Mom, I just haven't had reception. I texted her back at one point where we were like high up and I actually had like one bar. Finally one bar of one G. Yeah. It was, <sighs> that was the That's most good. stressful for her. <laughs> Dude, good for you. I, I'm glad you're able to go. I have a question. Yeah. As a traveler slash arguably blogger, what are your thoughts on geotagging? In what regard? There's a lot of pushback on geotagging nowadays, saying in their defense that publicizing like vacation spots, especially ones that are lesser known. Instagram has totally off, ruined off the beaten path. A million cool spots. Yeah, I hundred percent. Yeah, believe that. Um, I, when I geotag, I'll usually do something really general, like Lake Tahoe or Lost Coast, hmm. like. When I pulled it up, because I went and looked at the tag, it was like Northern California, a pin, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't usually, unless it's already a well-known like place. Okay, that brings up a, a topic I've like been thinking about, but gatekeeping and like gatekeeping places, because it's like everyone deserves to like experience the beauty, mm. but then there's a tipping point to where like so many people go, it gets ruined. You have to get a permit. No one's allowed to go. Well, it's exactly like and litter. Angel's Landing right now. Uh-huh. Like somebody we know had just went and did Angel's Landing and they were waiting in line for like three hours. Oh. Like, because you know how you're supposed to hold on to the chains <laughs> and while you're going up? Sean says that because he just like jumps from pillar to pillar with like a thousand You don't drop. need to hold on to the chains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying for safety measures, you're supposed to. <laughs> hmm. And so they were holding on to the chain and waited three hours along this whole route going up to Angel's Landing. Which to me is absurd. As someone from Precious Land, do you have thoughts on it? Uh, not anything too developed. What about you, Kalima? I was actually just thinking about um, a beach that people at my high school knew that nobody would tell me where it was. And it pissed Ooh. me off. Not even a Hawaiian? Yeah, they wouldn't tell me. They thought <laughs> I would ruin it. Dude, what if the beach didn't actually exist, dude? They were just telling you it did. What was it called? I don't know. They wouldn't tell me. <laughs> Bro, what kind of rep did you have that they wouldn't tell you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the ple- precious land that I lived on in Possum Track, Kentucky, go visit. Yeah. Like, they need tourists there. <laughs> <laughs> so geocache that all you want. Geotag um, that. I know there's a lot of people moving to Hawaii. Is uh, there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, there was this, uh, like Mark Zuckerberg. Okay. Well, that's he, not people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obama. Aliens. There's reptilians moving <laughs> yeah. to Hawaii. Um, he bought like over 300 acres of land there. What a dickhead. All the Hawaiians are pissed. 
Because, like, who needs 300 acres? Two, who are on an island, there's only, like, 500, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, a lot of locals are really pissed at him. But I know that he's put in a lot of money for, like, conservation. It's a, it's a, delicate, it's a delicate subject. You know the story of uh, Captain Cook? Yeah. <laughs> They're about to eat Mark. I'm just saying. Um, History repeats itself. On a, on a smaller scale, uh, I saw, like, some TikToker who's from the States— because Hawaii's not in the States, <laughs> uh, <laughs> who's from the mainland. And I guess she saved up for a year and sold everything she owned to move to Hawaii. And I've seen uh, locals, friends of mine from high school, family, um, repost her videos of her moving to Hawaii. And they all have something to say about it. Something like, negative don't do this? Yeah, because it just, it, it becomes so expensive for, I don't know, Hawaiians, I guess. I mean, I, you could look at that any place right now. Like even Utah, everyone is. Or moving my wife to Utah. in Portland. Like or we can't Portland. move to Portland because yeah, like it's so expensive. It's all these friggin' billionaires and millionaires buying up tons of property and then driving up the price. And- I, I I agree. I'm fully. so I'm not a disagreeing. With no, no, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Just- yeah. I agree with you. But Hawaii's been going through this for a long time, and we have way less space than anybody else. You know. So I think we get hit harder than most. Maybe I'm playing victim. Call me if I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I feel you. It's like it is a real problem, dude. That's your people. That's your history. Your heritage. And it's like you can't move back. Yeah. Uh, the TikTok girl too. She is uh, sitting in her backyard. I knew exactly where she was. Uh, she's on a marina. There's only one place on Oahu that has a marina. Coco. Yeah, Coco Head and Hawaii Kai, which is like the richest part. It's like you saved for a year to live there. Plus dad's trust fund. Yeah. I was like, no way. I was like, I don't know, man. Have you seen all those articles? And it's like how millennials afford homes now. And every single one, they break down the article. And it's like, I work two jobs. I started my own business. And my my dad dad had a trust fund. (laughs) And they never put it in the title. (laughs) But if you read into it, like second paragraph in, it's like, and my dad gave me like a million dollars. I've been wondering that recently too. (laughs) Like driving past these super nice houses down here uh, in Saratoga by where that temple is being built. Every one of them like, I feel like I make decent money. I could not afford this. I know. I don't I couldn't afford any of these. I couldn't afford a freaking shack out here, dude. Bro, how do polygamists afford? Because Sean and DJ (laughs) live near polygamists. And they have the biggest houses I've ever seen with all the toys. How do they do it? I do actually. I heard something about them not finishing parts of the house so they can avoid taxes. Something yeah, like that. that. Loopholes? Yeah, like loopholes huh. like that. Polygs always be doing that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be something there. Lots of holes. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Charles and I were recently talking about how it's a very millennial mindset to hate want <laughs> a career that you're happy with. Was that was that the conversation? It what was, was like, the question I asked? Is it too much like, to ask I was to like, have a job <laughs> that yeah. I love and I get paid a ton? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? It kind of is a lot to ask nowadays, dude. I think that that is way more the outlier than the the mean or the average. Well, and the thing is you see like the influencers on social media 
And that's the 1% of people who do fit that category versus the 99% who probably don't fit it quite as well. The best part is they're always the first ones to say, you know, money really doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> or listen, give me your money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the models saying, looks aren't the most important thing. Yeah. It's like your whole life is Just, built off of your looks. Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> Too funny. Um, do you have thoughts on that? Mom? Yeah. As which one? Which thought? Uh, like the uh, career and happiness. <laughs> Well-being. It would be nice if everybody could be able to yeah. do what they love to do, but unfortunately, that's just not going to happen. Hmm. But it's a nice thought. Was it less? Oh, you didn't even think about that growing up my age. You just got a job and worked. That was your responsibility. Didn't matter what you did. You had to work. That's <laughs> the first world privilege then, right? I mean, you're putting, you're putting it matter-of-factly, you know? Yeah. Like, this is how it was. Yeah. Well, bro, hot take. What? What? I think how comfortable we are in the U.S. lends to most of the BS. <laughs> so people will say, like, I'm a part of this group, Asian, black, female. I'm so oppressed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's so hard for me in the U.S. There's so much oppression. But it's like... Is it really like the most oppressed place in the world? Or <laughs> if you travel anywhere else, is it a million times worse? Because I talk to some people who have never left the States, let alone like three States. They've been in three States. And they sit there and they tell me how the world is. And I'm just like, that's crazy. Wow. You know? <laughs> it's like, meanwhile, I've been to Asia. I've been to Europe. I've been to, you know what I'm saying? And I heard how they talk and like how they like... Which is a privilege on its own. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But what I'm saying is, like, I think we've lost sight of how hard and oppressed it truly can be. For instance, in some places, like, if you're gay, you're thrown off buildings publicly. That's pretty wild, right? Yeah. That's pretty <laughs> I, I would say, say that's so. pretty yeah, oppressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, here, it's like you get a whole month, which we are currently <laughs> celebrating. Wait, is it still gay? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Shout out. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's all relative. So I think it's in a in a way it's like we do see so many people who have kind of figured out how to game the system and make a living off of like leisure. You know what I mean? That we're like, oh, my life's so oppressed because I'm not a Twitch streamer. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think it's, it's like, a... no, I'm just a bitch. Like I should be <laughs> mixing cement and like laying brick. <laughs> I think it's a it's a balancing act. Because you can spend all day talking about how others have it worse than you. Hmm. At w what point does it just become like a, I don't know, just. Everyone a, has it worse. Yeah, like everyone yeah. has it worse. So it's like, what, why are we spending time talking about it? Like we know that. But. I think it's good though I to think, check yourself and like kind of, you know, put it into focus and be grateful. Yeah. Dude, that's where it starts. Just be grateful hey, for yo. what you have. <laughs> I think uh, in in their defense. And I'm not, I'll just say, in their defense, like, I think in our great first world uh, space, when you're super zoomed in on whatever aspect of life, 
then yeah, it's, it is a big deal. Like you're up close and personal and things are magnified. Hmm. And I don't know, maybe, and maybe in the grand scheme of things in the future, it'll actually be, you know what I mean? You see what, you see what I'm saying? You know, I can't, I can't articulate as well as I'd like, but. No, I feel you. I think, I think, I think there's the being validity in to, is huge. to both sides. It's just uh, understanding <laughs> both. I don't know. Anyway, um, another thing on uh, okay, my buddy sent me a screenshot from his parents' neighborhood Facebook group, like HOA or something like that. Um, everybody who lives in the neighborhood is on this Facebook group. Sent me a screenshot from a recent post on this Facebook page. It says, "Notice I have received an email." From a person who saw a naked man at Sky Park last night at 11.30. Here's part of the text. She looked outside of the car and saw a fully nude middle-aged man crawling toward her car. (laughs) (laughs) On the grass of the parking strip. As soon as he realizes he's been seen, he stood up, waved, and made as if to enter the car. Oh! She immediately locked the doors, and he turned and started walking south back into the park. We drove away and immediately called 911, filing a report. Called the police. They have confirmed that they did respond to an incident of that nature last night. Where is this? <laughs> uh, it's in Salt Lake Valley. Oh. Yeah. At a park. A local park. But uh, in the comments, my buddy was making note that in the comments were obviously all the residents in that neighborhood. Repulsive. Disgusting. And my buddy kept talking about how our generation, like, for him, his initial reaction was just, he was just laughter. Just could not <laughs> stop laughing at, like, the thought of that. And if, like, we ran into that, we'd be like, what the hell is going on? Like, it'd be slightly scary, but... I don't know if repulsive is the first thing I'm thinking. You know how I'm just, I'm talking about how twisted our generation is. <laughs> I was going to say, desensitized comes to mind. Yeah, desensitized. Exactly. Where it's like, That's oh, is this a it. trend on TikTok now? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> with the dick rock or something, yeah. you know? Dick doc. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I know what you're saying. At the same time, it's like, I would probably laugh and be freaked out. But the second he moved towards my car, I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. This is not bueno. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm still locking sure. the doors. Yeah. But not like, I know my parents wouldn't be reacting the same way, like laughing at it. Yeah. Same. That's same. Just, just my parents, you know? Um, they'd be in the comments. Oh, just yeah. like the others. Disgusting. <laughs> but it's funny Disgusting. how different. I don't Which know. Which one of you has? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it led me to think of like just a bunch of generational differences. Uh one thing was like, do you remember growing up and you could not ask somebody older than you how old they were? Yeah, it's so rude. Yeah. I was actually telling a story. This just makes me think. <laughs> I was telling a story at my aunt and uncle's house. And it was like we were going around trading stories, all my cousins. And we had covered, covered a variety of topics like crude, lewd, you know what I mean? We're cursing and things like that. And my uncle's just in the room like reading a paper. And my cousin Audrey said – uh, and then he was talking about like his nasty boner. <laughs> and she said the word boner and he got so upset. And he was like, hey, hey, come on. And she was like, what? And he was like, come on, don't be so crude. And she was like, we've been cursing, talking about like sex and vagina, like everything you could think of. But like boner set him off so hard. Like it was so foul to him. 
Pun intended. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just had like, a long talk. To yeah. Hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, just certain things that, I mean, or, s- certain things trigger our generation that wouldn't trigger theirs. Boomers constantly flame us for. Yeah. You know? So it, like, it goes both ways. <laughs> I was just thinking about the age thing. Last like, night, in my limited experience, I'm not sure why I would be offended if somebody asked me how old I was 50 years from now. I don't know. I uh, last night we were at the Arnais. I was talking to my aunt, and I was my wife said something, and she That's said, right. "Are you wearing your wedding ring?" And I went, "Yes, like this, like I am." And she turned and she said, "Did you just flip her off?" And I was like, "No, I showed her my my wedding ring." And she was like, "Oh, because I was about to slug you." Like she's like, "I was gonna <laughs> smack you," and uh, it came up and. She, uh, her son Reed was like, it's so crazy because to us, like DJ flips people off for fun all the time. Like in the car, DJ will be like this. He'll make eye contact with someone and he'll just go and flip them, <laughs> and flip them off and start laughing. But Vicky was saying no to her. Like if, if she That's was like flipped off, she would be like the mm. worst thing you can do to yeah, someone. Yeah. So offended. <laughs> it's just weird. I don't know. It's like, yeah, why is it all? But then again, we're like our generation, I mean, not my generation. I don't claim this, but it's like you call me a he the younger generation gets pissed. So it's like everyone be getting offended. You know what I mean? (sighs) Yeah. Anyway, my mom bought a slave when she was in, (laughs) when she was in uh, high school or middle school, junior high. Did you? That's that's wild. I've never heard of this. (laughs) No, apparently, in Apparent. the 80s, yeah. in junior high in Utah, they had Slave Day, <laughs> where kids were put on auction of all ethnicities. Okay, I'm trying to wrap up because I heard this and because my mom, she's visiting Utah and she went to like a reunion of like middle school. A ton of old friends were like at a barbecue and they they all started talking. They were like, do you guys remember Slave Day? Or my mom was talking to someone and she was like, or he was like, do you remember you bought me in Slave Day? <laughs> and so my mom told me and I'm trying to have been wrapping my head around this all day. And it, it, I don't think it was directly tied to like slavery in the U.S. It's just simply what the name of the day was, was Slave Day. And you would save up all these points you would accumulate during the year for having good grades. And you could buy a kid like, sorry. and make them do stuff for you. So like Spirit Week. <laughs> you know how Spirit Week, every day there was like a different thing, like theme to dress up as or yeah. I don't know, like Crazy Hair Day or Pajama Day. Yeah. Yes. So one just was Oppression Day, yeah. Slave Day. Yeah. They That's got crazy. <laughs> so just this is a highlighting the generational difference. Like that was chill. And everyone's like, wait, Slave Day? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. How did they choose who was going to be up for auction and who were the uh, – the, the it's got to be low point versus high point. That's what's going to oh, be. Oh, so if you oh, higher geez. GPA, yeah, yeah. higher to buy the lower, lower GPAs. GPAs. See, Damn. let's just bring Slave Day back. I already got gotcha. you. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, Sean. And coming from you, I don't know if you're allowed to say that. So. <laughs> I'm going to get canceled and come back from the dead, bro. We'll just watch. <laughs> That's so insane. What's the modern day equivalent of that? Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. College hazing, but you would just call it like, you're my bitch. Like a bitch for Boot a liquor or whatever. Yeah. Um, did you folks have in high school, you log on, you can see your grades. You have your like student profile 
It has your uh, accumulative GPA. And then it has your class rank according to Whoa. GPA. Whoa. You guys had that? You didn't. No. We had that. I remember that. And our class, every class, in my high school, we had about 2,000 kids, 500 per class. Quick maths. Uh, so you were obviously was really super high. high on that list, you know? <laughs> dude, look at that list. It was so disheartening, dude. <laughs> it's like Bitcoin. You're just yeah. going down. Stonks. Yeah. Down. Uh, my self-worth was very tied to that number <laughs> for four years of my life. So were you happy a lot or sad a lot? No, not very. Oh. <laughs> not very. Bro, if I had that at my school, it would be like all zeros and like 18 not zeros. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least you would only have to look at that for three years because you missed uh, one year. <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, I, I'm out. I was number one in my class. <laughs> all four years, bro. <laughs> that makes sense. Hilarious. So... <laughs> Is that too much to talk about? Are you fine with that? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I have a little bit of an update. Go. Ooh. So I was at, we were at my aunt's house last night and she grew up in Visalia. She's Thai. And she said when she was joining the church, there was missionaries who were teaching her who were also teaching a ton of Hmong people in Visalia. And there was a huge group of Hmong people who were like investigating the church, wanting to join. And something happened and they all stopped investigating the church. <laughs> So the bishop showed up at the um, local church house building and noticed stains all around the entrances of the church because they had come in and killed a chicken and spread its blood everywhere in the church as like a blessing or a ritual. And he was like, okay. We we can't do this. I'm so sorry. You can never do that again in this building. And I think they were like, all right, then we're out. So no chicken blood. That we was out. the hill they died on. Yeah. <laughs> we can't sacrifice these chickens for yeah. the church. Huh. So yeah, fun fact. That is a fun fact. <laughs> anything else? Did you have anything? No, I'm just happy it's summer. Dude, lots of live shows have been uh, announced. Festivals, not ours, but uh, yeah, not ours. <laughs> Music, uh, it's cool. Music's releasing like normal. I feel like my life's mm. getting back to normal. I don't know if the viewers or the listeners want to hear this, but the podcast continues to grow. Numbers are continuing to go up. And back in the day, we'd get like a follow a day and a message a week. And now it's like four a day. Have you noticed that? And it's people like, I found your podcast. I'm binging. Like, I love this. So it's fun. I love it. There's like way more input. From listeners. A lot more engagement. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it for that. That's dope, dude. <laughs> but I'm excited and I'm appreciative. So thank you everyone out there who listens and uh, participates. Automatic. Let's roll. Let's do it. Now we roll our 20-sided die. Let's see who goes first. Heist goes first. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. Big and small, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, 
if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3AM. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. 14, 11, 9. So the order is DJ, Charlie, Sean. I. 11 years ago, 2010, a little Haitian girl, orphan, is excited to come to her new home. She was finally getting adopted, and she was coming to the States. Unfortunately, the earthquake hit prevented that from happening. Parents are sad, but they still look for another child to adopt. Another girl comes up. She's a perfect candidate for this family. She's from Ukraine. And at eight years old, becomes the new child to this family. Everybody's excited. Privet. They bring this girl home. Show her to her room. She says, I need help taking a bath. Mom helps her into the shower. Takes her clothes off. And is stunned that this girl has fully grown pubic hair. Well, she's 13? Eight. 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 Mom is so confused. Tells dad they don't know what to make of it. It's the first day. Also, she's from Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pretty close to Russia and... So they call it a night. They decide to deal with it in the morning. They wake up, and mom's in the kitchen. She goes to throw something away in the trash can, and what she finds also surprises her. She finds a bloody pair of underwear. So this was the thing that set the mom off, these two things. Uh, This is the curious case of Natalia Barnett. Natalia Barnett is a case that's currently uh, under investigation. It's been going on for the last 10, 11 years. And the whole case is how old is she? So an important detail 
is that Natalia suffers from a rare form of dwarfism. She looks young. That's what she looked like around the time of adoption. But is it just me? Or like the longer you look, you can maybe kind of... It's going to be a no for me, though. See, like, she could be older. That This is the whole case. And I'll elaborate further. Um, pretty quickly, Natalia's adopted parents uh, start learning more things about her, her personality, how she acts, what she's like. Natalia doesn't like hanging out with kids. She likes hanging out with the teenagers. Uh, Natalia's vocabulary is extensive. Way more mature than a regular eight-year-old. And as confirmed from their dentist, her, her teeth were like fully grown. She had like adult teeth. So all these uh, weird signs of uh, maturity are manifesting themselves pretty quickly after they adopt her. The name of the parents are Christine and Michael Barnett. In 2019, they were charged with neglect because they had left Natalia to fend for herself on her own and they moved to Canada. So let me fill in fill in the gaps. Before they move to Canada, before they decide that they were going to leave Natalia, there are alleged events that push them to this point from the parents. Natalia has been accused of a bizarre amount of habits and actions that they soon admitted her to like a psychiatric ward. So how do you say that? Psychiatric. Psychiatric. Yeah. Psychiatric. Psychiatric ward. Natalia has been accused of putting bleach in her mom's coffee. Windex in her mom's coffee. Okay. Pine salt in her dad's coffee. See, but all of those were supposed to be cures for coronavirus. <laughs> Tide pods. Um. She's jumped out of moving vehicles, attacked a baby on the baby monitor. Oh, okay. Signs of schizophrenia. She's attempted to push Christine into an electric fence. She smeared bodily fluids and blood on mirrors and walls in their home. And probably the worst of them all, Stood over her parents while they were sleeping. That is the worst of them all. (laughs) (laughs) And not only that, but with a sharp object. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Bro, did they not keep the receipt? (laughs) Return her right quick. Dude, I don't care who you are. If you're standing over me while I'm sleeping, I will stunt your growth. (laughs) Bro, her growth was already stunted. (laughs) Dude. Be like, hey, let's take a quick family trip to Ukraine, visit yeah. your homeland. <laughs> Bro, I, oh, I we bet only if have you... two return tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I bet if you took her to Costco and complained enough, they would take her back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> we'll yeah, put dude. her back on the shelf. You will catch hands if you're standing <laughs> over me. And 
Uh, for Natalia, I mean, you make it easier for me to punch your face yeah. <laughs> if you're standing you're over just me. Fist height. Yeah. <laughs> you punch the but, uh, top of their head. <laughs> Uh, is it bad that like half those things I was like that's pretty standard fare for like Russians yeah. <laughs> jumping out of moving vehicles yeah. pushing people into electric babies. fences it's just a normal day in Russia but yeah. the standing over people that's we draw the line that's where we, we draw the line for sure <laughs> um, so all these events happened in between t- 2010 and 2012 that would suck terrible terrible uh, Christine and Michael have a few other children one of their children, a boy, he was an early teenager. He's autistic, but super, like, prodigy physicist. At, like, 14, he was already, like, going to Purdue. Whoa. Something like that. Like, recognized by, by Purdue. He had given TED Talks. Um, he had been uh, a part of, like, studies with, like, these famous scientists and, like, um, physicists. Um, for different studies or whatever. He was given an, a, scho- a scholarship to attend, to attend a school in Canada. So that's why they moved. Mm. At that point, relations with Natalia weren't getting better. So they took her to take some tests to verify her age. They took her to this doctor who measured her bone density. And the doctor confirmed that she was at least 14 years old, which is pretty vague. And 14. Because everyone in this room is at least 14 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, huh? Yeah. Um, and 14 is, it sucks because 14 is close to, what was she in 2012? 10. That's four years apart. So it's like. There's not a lot of room to work with with uh, that evidence, but it was just enough for they worked with a judge. They filed a motion to get her her birthday changed. So her original birth certificate, her records from Ukraine are super cutty, like not. Have you seen bench warmers? It's crayon on a paper. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where they bring in that like. 40 like 40 year old Puerto Rican dude. He's like hitting home runs against all these 12 year olds. He's like, This is my birth certificate. It says, I am 12 in green crayon. The five dollar um, bill. Yeah, and a five dollar bill. Yeah, exactly. Her birthday said, can't remember the exact numbers, but it said nine slash eight slash three. Like what, 2003? Apparently, she was born in 2003, but it's like, I've never, like, what, what is this? Yeah, yeah, that's not official at all. Yeah. Um, the evidence that they received from, I guess, the dentist and the, the bone density doctor was enough for the doctor to file her as, I think, like a 22-year-old in 2012. So, Christine and Michael, the parents, spent a year getting Natalia situated in her own apartment they gave her, they paid for a year's worth of rent, helped get her on her feet. They got her social security disability so she could get some type of income, even if she didn't have um, a job. Um, she had food stamps and uh, they, they got her settled in and then they moved with 
their real family to <laughs> to Canada. And they were there for quite some time while their son went to school. And in 2019 was finally uh, charged with neglect. So Natalia now was adopted again. She, uh, Natalia was adopted again. She's still with that family now. And this family has the complete opposite to say about Natalia. They've had zero in- incidences with her uh, that were comparable to uh, the Barnett family. Uh, they have children who are younger than Natalia, and they said she's the perfect older sister. Has she gotten bigger? Bottle feeding them. Uh, Natalia hasn't, like in physical size, she hasn't grown an inch. Um, but Natalia is a perfect older sister. Bottle feeding them, always helping them, change their clothes, take them out to the park to play. And we haven't, you know, had any incident with her. It's been perfect. Life's good. So who do we believe? Barnett's. You believe the Barnett's? Yeah. So it's a... They said, she said. It is a they said, she said. Because all of the things that they have both been accused of, there's no evidence for it. They said that it was on, like, camera when she attacked a baby. But maybe it, like, wasn't recording. They just saw it. Yeah. Oh, you got to be recording. (laughs) Yeah. So there's no... Freak, dude. That's hard. There's no, uh, there's no end to this case currently because it's still ongoing. Uh, Natalia was actually on Dr. Phil with her current parents. Dr. Phil kind of sadly is like grilling her. She yeah. looks older? This is her now. Yeah. Or like about two years ago when they were on Dr. Phil. She looks super happy. <laughs> is that what you meant? Like, uh, <laughs> um, is that what you meant? Like, has she grown? Yeah, I guess. Has she yeah, like, I mean, appeared yeah. older? Her, her features have, yeah. Um, Matured. She definitely looks more love like an adult now mm. than the previous pictures, but her size has been the same. Um, so there's like two outcomes. The Barnett's lied, and it's just a really sad story of neglect and abuse. Mm-hmm. Or they're not lying, and it's like the scariest story of manipulation and like lying and mm-hmm. pretending. Mm-hmm. Both suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Um Dr. Phil, who I don't hold as a standard to He's not a real doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a POS. But he, he's not. He didn't go to school. He doesn't have the title of doctor. It's just like his show is called Doctor he's Phil. He's been like blacklisted from whatever previous field he quote unquote studied from like all of all of the professionals in that field saying we don't like approve of Dr. Phil. Um, that's anecdotal though. He was grilling her on the interview. He told her, or he was asking her all these questions. Uh, one of them was, are, are you a 33-year-old con artist? She denies everything. Well, that's Naturally. what a 33-year-old con artist would do. <laughs> um, I don't know, dude. I spent an hour watching this documentary of actual psychopaths. <laughs> like, fake psychopaths act like they're possessed and there's something wrong with them mentally. And, like, the actual psychopath admitted to everything. And he had like zero emotion, you know. Um, also anecdotal. So I was just thinking, if Kristen and uh, Michael Barnett lied about this whole thing, like, what is their motive? Like, why would they go through buyer's remorse? Yeah, I mean, 
they've had experience like working in special needs, not only with their son, but I think in their their professions as well. And it doesn't sound like they've monetized or tried to monetize the story. Yeah. Right. Also, they put her up, paid for a year's worth of rent. And if it is real, they did the most. That's telling. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything, I think the judge who approved the motion to change the date should also be held accountable. Mm. You know, going back to, you know, what evidence uh, gave validity to that choice, you making that choice. I did uh, read this on a Justice for Natalia website. (laughs) The Barnetts crafted a way to dispose of her, her Natalia, that wouldn't hurt their image and public notoriety gained from being the quote-unquote amazing parents to their child prodigy son, Jacob, who went to that school. That was the only thing that I could find as far as like a motive goes for the parents. But that just seems like a ton of work for amazing parent of the year. It's like work smarter, not harder, bro. So I'm not claiming sides. Okay, maybe I am. I lean towards the Barnetts. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. I know just as much as anybody else, which is Hmm. not too much. So... That's my story. It's short, terrifying. Thinking that you're getting an eight-year-old and it could be an actual, like, 21-year-old who's coherent and, and mature and Russian <laughs> Eastern European, dude. I think, I think the first Russian I ever met was She's when— at least 18 in that picture. When we DJed a party in, in Orem years ago. And that huge dude— He's no, a loud dude? No, there were two Russian girls, both beautiful, oh, yeah. and they were way overdressed. Like like, like it was, like New it was York. Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> but we were in Orem. <laughs> and did they they had a gun in their purse. Yeah. They were like what? thick Russian accents, and they're like, if anything happens. They're like, do not worry. Do not DJs. worry. <laughs> <laughs> we have your back. And, yeah. and we're like, why? And they're like, like, no need. We to have that. a gun in our purse. And I was <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> Better not play the wrong song. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. That was wild. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to to exactly make of this. There's a movie based off it. The Orphan. Orphan. Yeah. That came out in 09. Bro. It's a scary scenario. Yeah. It sucks all around. Either way, it's like a terrible situation. It's yeah. so sad. Well, what <laughs> if she got the idea from the movie? No, this was before. Well, the movie came out in 2009. She was adopted in 2010. What's so that? you're saying she watched Orphan. She's like, yo, I look young AF. Let me get my crayon looking birth certificate <laughs> and go to America and scam some people. If she was that smart, then I think she'd add a, a few more numbers on that birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Huh. That's crazy. I thought she was like, she, I thought she inspired that movie. That's so crazy. I didn't realize it came out before. You had heard about this. Uh-huh. Have you? I hadn't heard about her. I knew about the movie. Mm. What did you know about the story before going into it? I knew most of the details and that it's still open-ended, that they don't actually know. Like, there's a ton of evidence to, like, support both sides. So it's like, what the F is happening? Yeah. I don't know. There are tons of podcasts and video essays and news articles that cover this. So go out and read it on your own. 
form your own opinion. <laughs> Justice for the research. Barnetts. But <laughs> Dude, that's freaking wild. That's the curious case of <laughs> Russian button. Natalia <laughs> Barnett. That's crazy. And that's me. Thanks, dude. All right, for this story, we are in El Paso, Texas. It's <laughs> the scariest place in the U.S., bro. It's a dark and stormy night, and we are in a sketchy neighborhood, which from what I hear is most All of, of El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> Two kids clutching each other in the middle of a bedroom, bawling. Two grandparents rush out and pick up a limp body and drag it back into the room. In Spanish, Grandma says, I have to go to the kitchen. And Grandpa says, no, do not go out there. Grandma doesn't listen and disappears into the dark hall. Kids are still crying, and Mom is on the floor, limp. Grandma comes back into the room with her hand clutched around an egg. She whispers a prayer and starts to move the egg up and down every part of mom's body, saying a prayer and doing a sign of a cross at every important part. She goes over to a cup of water, taps the egg on the side and cracks it. And lets the yolk plop into the water. The egg is like a normal yolk, completely surrounded by blood. And now grandma's scared. <laughs> this story comes to us from a listener. She found us recently. She said, I skipped around a ton and I saw you guys had an episode called El Paso. I'm from El Paso. Um, and I have a story that happened to me. So Jessica grew up until she was eight in Mexico. It's She has a single mom, and she has an older brother who's four years older than her. So her, her brother, and her mom are living in Mexico, and most of their family is already in El Paso. And they're like, come over, just move over. Like, we'll help you. We'll figure it out, you know. And after some convincing, they decide to move over. So they all move over to El Paso. Mom works insanely hard, night and day, two jobs, and she's able to buy or she's able to get them a duplex. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath, tiny little duplex in a sketchy part of town. They move in. It's mom, brother, Jessica in one room, grandma and grandpa in another, and they all share the house. Their life was pretty happy, hardworking, and uh, good relationships. But everyone noticed a change when they got to El Paso. Jessica's older brother started getting very, very angry. Like way more than a normal preteen. At first they were like, oh, you know, he's becoming a teenager. Or we're here in El Paso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would freak out too if I was on El, El Paso. <laughs> Um, but eventually it's hard to deny that there's something more happening. And she said, everything started after one day my brother freaked out and he kicked a giant hole in the wall, like in the hallway. 
for no reason, and no one knew why. At night, Grandma woke up, and she had to pee. So she gets out of bed, goes in the hallway, and as she puts her hand on the bathroom door, she hears, shh, right behind her. Freaked out because everyone should be asleep. She turns around to imagine she's going to see Jessica or Jessica's brother. Empty hallway. So she continues, does her business, and as she's in the bathroom, door locked, just her, she feels a tap on her shoulder. And now grandma knows something's happening. More and more things like this start happening. Out of the corner of their eye, they see a shadow in the room. In the next room over, they hear like a noise. They go in there. No one's there. And at first, everyone thinks, you know, maybe it's grandpa, maybe it's so-and-so, but the more and more happens, the more and more they confirm it's none of them. It's no one in the family. It gets to a point, they're no longer comfortable in their new home. Grandma knows something has to be done. So she talks to mom. She says, hey, I need you to go to church. I need you to grab, and after you get going to church again, I need you to grab a vial of holy water. Bring it back. We got to take care of this. So mom does this. They all congregate in grandma, grandma's room, grandpa's room. Mom has the water and they all start praying. And in the room, they go over the plan. Mom's going to pray. She's going to go to every corner of the house. She's going to go to every room, sprinkle the water and say a prayer. Say, okay. So they finish their prayers. Mom stands up water in hand, and the second she leaves the door, her body crumples to the ground. She would later tell them it felt like someone jumped on her shoulders, like a full body was standing on her shoulders. They freak out. They don't know if she collapsed, if like she just fainted, but she manages to like pull herself up and move around the house, and she starts throwing the water, saying the prayers. And she's throwing, and they can hear candles are lit. It's a super dark, the house is dark, and they hear her praying and throwing the water, praying and throwing the water. She goes to every corner of the house, and she comes back, and she collapses into the door of the room. And they run up. Kids are screaming, Mom, Mom. And she's completely drenched. She's covered in water. And this is when kids crying, grandparents bring her into the room. Grandma performs an egg cleansing. An exorcism? Ja, 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 ja. Ja, 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 ja. That's hilarious, bro. Have either of you ever heard of an egg cleansing? No, dude. That's crazy. Nope. Throwing it into the. The cup? Yeah. That's like Harry Potter, dude. The, <laughs> the Grim, you know? El Grim. El Grim. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Um, so, so an egg cleansing. Oh, did you want? No, 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 no. Sorry. An egg cleansing is a part of corenderismo, which is like folk healing. It has roots in Aztec, Mayan, Mexican San, uh, Santeria, which is like stem or pulls things from Africa. But it's like a natural 
approach to healing. And so apparently this is pretty prevalent. Like a lot of Mexican kids are familiar with an egg cleansing. And so she told, she wrote me the story and I was like, uh, what is an egg cleansing? Cause she just kind of brushed over that. Yeah. <laughs> and basically like, um, other stories of like people who may have been cursed or have, have bad ojo put on them, like bad luck put on them. Grandma or an old, old lady in the community will come over and they take an egg and they put it over every part of your body while saying prayers. It's like really tied into Catholicism, but also like folk as well. And in doing that, they believe they're able to trap the energy or whatever's going on, the bad stuff inside you. Inside the egg. And trap it inside the egg. And you crack that and you put it into a glass of water. And it looks, most of the time, if it's not terrible, it looks like a regular yolk. And you put that under your bed for like 24 hours to a couple days. And if it changes, then you know the bad juju, the bad stuff has been trapped and you can flush that down the toilet. That's a pretty common thing, isn't it? And there, here's a picture of an egg. Oh. So this is what it will look like if you see all the bubbles on top and like the spider web connections. Mm -hmm. This is what it will look like if it's working, if it's trapping the bad juju. Wow. You also want to show them but El Paso. And here we are. Huh. El Paso. Um, but in this case, it was red. There was blood. Blood in the egg. Huh. And so grandma knows something's up. They managed to like bring mom to, she comes back to consciousness. She's in the room. They're all in the room. The kids are screaming. They're crying. They ask mom what happened. And that's when she says, it felt like someone like stood on my Jumped shoulders. Jumped on my shoulders or something. Yeah. And she said, but when I got myself back up and I started throwing the water, every time I'd throw the water, it would come back right onto her. So she would throw the water in front of her and it would just right back on her. So she's sopping wet. And like whatever water. was getting water thrown at, like repelled the water? And pushed it right back on her. That's crazy. So now they're all way more freaked out. I was thinking... I don't even know. I was like, why is she the one? Was a hoet? Yeah. <laughs> she just I was thinking like it was missing. it was like a mimic that walked in or something. Because oh. she was chasing that thing and I don't know. But so grandpa tears off, he grabs the water, and he's like, I'm gonna go bless the house. I'm gonna finish this. Walks to the door and takes one step into the hallway. And everyone in the house's blood runs cold. Because they all hear a loud, audible growl throughout the entire house. Ugh. Grandpa stops, turns around, comes back into the room. <laughs> Damn. They're terrified. The kids don't want to sleep alone. They don't know what to do. They decide Jessica's going to sleep with Grandma and Grandpa. She's going to sleep right in bed, right next to Grandma. Grandma's going to hold her all night. And the son and mom are going to sleep together in the bunk. Wait, they're not going to try and figure it out before trying to go to sleep? They, they said prayers. They did everything they could, but this is where they're at. Okay. Other than like leaving the house. It's like when you pause during the boss fight. It's like, <laughs> I need a break. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, hold on. So eventually everyone kind of calms down. They're in their bed. 
everyone in the house is asleep and mom is nodding off with her son right by her. Her eyes close and open and she can see the doorway. Her feet are facing the door and her eyes close a little longer and open. And finally her eyes close and they don't open again. As she's on the edge of a sleep, she feels both of her feet get pinned flat like this. <laughs> Instantly, she sits or opens her eyes and springs up. And as she's halfway up, her ponytail is grabbed and ripped back down to the bed. So she is completely flat, flat on the bed. Startled more than anything, she sits up and looks around thinking, is that my son? What just happened? She looks. Her son is fast asleep. No one's in the room. She stays up the rest of the night reading from the Bible, drinking coffee, and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> bro, I'd be drinking that holy water instead, bro. They continue to have experiences like this throughout the house, but now no one is comfortable there. It no longer feels like home. So they decide to do the only thing they can think of. They go to their landlord. They want answers. They said their landlord was a super nice Korean couple. And they go up to them and they're, they're asking them, do you know anything about this place? Do you know anything about the previous tenants? And the lady landlord says like, no, super nice lady. She's very old. She was very old. Um, she was very religious and she was pretty private. She stuck to herself mostly, but she was very nice. Every time I saw her, she waved, you know, but for the most part, she just kept to herself. You know, like anything else? They're like, no, not really. Like, okay, well, I guess we'll see what else we can find out. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There was this one thing. Every night around 3 a.m., we would hear very loud noises in the house, followed quickly by very loud crying and praying for hours. Just breeze over that. <laughs> there was this one thing every night. <laughs> but that's it. Have a good day. Yeah. But nothing else really important or whatever. So they're like, oh, cool. Neato. <laughs> and from this moment on, mom does everything in her power to get them moved out. And they are in a new home within six months. She figures it out. And we talk about this all the time. Like, why don't you just move? Well, she freaking did it. She figured it out. They go on. They continue to have. Let me just read what she says. <laughs> they said, we That's, believed whatever it was. Sorry. Was, go again. No, no. Okay. Did you have something good? Uh, no. <laughs> Level three funny. Probably. Let's hear it. No. <laughs> gonna never mind <laughs> okay white people always be staying in the house <laughs> trying to figure out what happened they're like oh that's what happened okay we're moving yeah mexicans are like no mas yeah <laughs> no bueno uh they said whatever it was they never like received full answers but they all came to the same belief that that whatever it was was attached to mom that's fine you don't need to know all the answers. Oh. They're saying it's fine. It's, it was attached like, to mom. No, 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 no. As long as it's, it's not, not me. me. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, mom. Uh, 
They said they never had anything quite as scary like that. Nothing as bad as that ever happened again. She said, both my grandparents eventually passed away. My brother and I moved out and she remarried. She has come to terms with it. And it's a joke now. Whenever she moves houses, we always say, wonder how long it's going to be until he finds you and start and you start to see shadows again. (laughs) (laughs) That's so savage. (laughs) (laughs) She, She says, wonder how long it's going to be until you see shadows and hear things because every house after that, it's been with her. Oh, my God. Uh, so the, in my conversation with her, I was like, first of all, thanks for sharing. That was incredibly cr- scary, you know? And I was like, what is an egg cleansing? <laughs> she said, it's more, oh, I was like, what's an egg thing? Because she's like, and then my grandma did the egg thing. Like I knew. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm really sorry, but I have no idea. Uh, she said, it's more of an egg cleansing. Lots of Mexican grandmas do it to kids when they get scared or sick to cleanse all the bad energy. Um, essentially they just pray and rub an egg on the kids and break it into a glass cup and you're able to see if there's any bad juju that gets trapped in the egg. And so that's what it was. So it sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I read a lot of like people who were like, I came, I came, I became ill one time at the same time as my grandma and we had to call a local lady to come do an egg cleansing and they had it. She did the blessing. They rub it all up and down like your body on your forehead and stuff prayers they crack it into a thing and put it under your uh, bed and within 24 hours if you start to see it like spiderweb like we saw um, that means it did its job and you flush it down the toilet and they were like and after that i don't know we we get better so <laughs> that's wild i don't know if there's something to it call that a after deviled a egg yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one bro i like it devil's eggs are lit they're delicious. Anyway, that's her story. She was like, "Yeah, hope it's you know good enough to share." And I'm like, "Dude, yeah, that's wild. That was, that was <laughs> terrifying." I love that, that. growl, though, but dude. Shout out, oh, Mech- yeah. Shout out, Jessica from El Paso. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. What is that growl? She said, "Whatever." Or, um, we decided to do the holy water, and whatever was in the house was not happy. So. That was crazy because the dad ran out to try to do something about Bro. it. And when dad does something about it, it's like, okay. Yeah. This is it's real. This, it's it. grandpa, dude. Yeah. Or Mexican, grandpa. Mexican what grandpa. What he needs who I'm to sure do is, is like head up to the church. Why did the grandma ask the mom to do it? Like, go get the holy water, by the way. It was probably so, just easier for her to like okay. get about. They, they were need to old. like go in with like a super soaker and just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just dude, and then it would have just been the- right back into her face. <laughs> that freaked me out. Just that the imagery is, of like yeah. throwing the water and just seeing it like come back right at After you. After like the first time, I'd be like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. After the second time, I'd be like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. But anyway. That's wild. I think I have one more picture of El Paso. Do you want to throw it up? Yeah. Guys, this is where Kevin grew up. Could you imagine? Oh, that black and white. They didn't even white. have color back then. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> well, that explains a lot about Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Cool. Yep. That's El Paso. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's me tonight in egg cleansings. That's wild. And spooky, spooky haunting. Love it. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty common. I don't know if in real life or movies, but uh, like the under the bed thing, like the bowl of water or a bowl of milk. That seems to be like a or, common theme for like cleansings mm, and stuff. I, I've seen it, or I've not personally, but like in movies, in 
certain things I've come across. You like do something and put it under your bed. Mm-hmm. I think what's her, um, Caroline Patterson talked to, talked to us about putting something under your bed. Didn't she? I don't know. I might. Bad yeah, I, don't, I just remember the cleansing part, <laughs> the energy, the one you bring to the ground or whatever, dude. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been like two years since we had that yeah. conversation. All right, guys. So tonight I wanted to, like I said, the trip that I just went on was, it was basically for 3 a.m. I was trying to hit up every spooky and scary place along the way. Tax write-off, boy. Yeah. So I just accumulated a lot of tales from the road, a lot of folklore from different places, and I wanted to share some with you. Hell yeah. So I'm going to go in reverse from where I ended, though. So I, uh, like we already said, we went hiking on the Lost Coast, which is in the Humboldt Triangle. Many of you probably know, and for those who don't, it's very popular for weed growth, but also it's a very uh, prominent Bigfoot sighting location. We have originally the uh, Bigfoot plaster, like the footprint that was uh, brought forth in like the 60s, I think, maybe even earlier than that. And that's how the name Bigfoot kind of uh, became more popular. What's the terrain like here? The terrain is super foresty. So thick evergreen trees and fir trees and giant redwood trees. So if you're like looking out, how far do you think you could see? So I drove up the Highway 1 from San Francisco to the Lost Coast, and there was one section where every 50 to 100 feet was another turn, and I couldn't see more than that 50 to 100 feet in front of me, due also in part to the thick fog that was in the mountains as well. So it's very remote, very... uh Honestly, like if Bigfoot exists, he's out it's there. there. Yeah. Because there's no way you're gonna find it unless you get lucky, like or Patterson unlucky. Gimlin in the film that is popularly known for having filmed Bigfoot also in this same area. Cool. Now, whether that's legitimate, we still don't know, but it's nice to think that it is. Mm-hmm. I heard a story while I was up there of a recent possible Bigfoot sighting. So in the uh, forest outside of Eureka, a town in this general area, a father and son are going hiking. And as they're like hiking out there in this forest, the son looks up and he's like, dad, I think I see Bigfoot. And the dad was very skeptical, but he decides he's going to take some pictures so you want to pull up the first one, which is kind of the farther picture away. This one right here. So he sees this platform that's surrounding one of the giant redwood trees. So these aren't the like these aren't small trees; these are giant trees. And his eyes just aren't as good as like his son's. So he's maybe I'll zoom in and take another picture. And he sees this up on this platform. Now. In his description, he's like, it looks like maybe it's holding on to some sort of rope there and it has the large pendulous breast things going on. <laughs> and 
when they went closer, when they went closer to get a better look, it was gone. Now, they don't know if it was a Bigfoot. They do know that it disappeared. And then they found out later that these platforms are a forest walk that the town of Eureka is creating to go up above like the forest, like high in the trees to be able to look out into the forest. Hmm. So it's a cool little thing, but there was no one on it when they got closer. Hmm. What if he was just like on the opposite side of the tree the whole time? Dude, these Bigfoots be big brain time, dude. (laughs) So I don't know what you guys think. It definitely looks like there's something there. If that's a Bigfoot, I don't know. Where's the head? Like, where are they? I see the arm, I think. Looks like the head is kind of, yeah, right exactly where you were pointing. Um, up directly above the large pendulous breast area. <laughs> is that an arm hanging onto the tree? That's what it looks like, this, yeah. I think. Kind of like this, yeah. That's a little concerning if they saw that and they got up and, and then uh, there's it nothing wasn't there. there. Yeah, that's the part that freaks me out. Yeah, that's weird. Like, whether it's Bigfoot or not. Whether yeah, it's big for human, that's creepy. Oh, that also true. Like, if there's someone out there and then they're gone, I'm gonna be gone, dude. <laughs> I'd like to know who's where when and I'm out there. We could think about this and be like, "They're the city of Eureka is building this forest walk. It could, could be a builder. Be a builder. Yeah. However, the fact that they were gone is a little sus. It's not out of explanation that it could just be." One of the construction workers. Damn all these low-quality pictures. <laughs> we need this in 4K. Can we just get one? <laughs> so that was one of the more fun stories that I heard while I was up and around that area. Now, going in reverse on this trip, like I said, I drove up from San Francisco. And just south of San Francisco is the Winchester Mystery House. Mm. And I posted a little bit of a story after I'd gone into the mystery house. It truly is, it's a little creepy. I've been there. And disorienting. Yeah, I've been there. Can you agree with that? Like, Yeah, it's the, it's seriously, if you've watched the show, it's Gravity Falls in real life. There's like, the, the area and the gift shop, like everything about it is Gravity Falls. It's like they all buy into. Oh, the, the mystery spot. Yes. Yeah, they all yeah. buy into the phenomenon that goes there. And that was pretty trippy, and, actually. It is pretty trippy. But they're they're all about it. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm about, like, the gimmicky tourist shops as well. Like, I stopped at the Bigfoot, the Legend of Bigfoot shop in, in the Redwoods, too. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> so, I also went to the Winchester house, which is this house that this the uh, widow of the owner of the Winchester repeating rifle, like she inherited everything and she just kept building onto this house. And in no like logical way did she build onto this house. You know, the folklore around where she got the plans for. Yeah. So as I'm going through this, I'm like kind of confused the whole time. Like you walk in and you see the stairs to nowhere. So just the stair goes up and then goes around a corner right to the floor of the next, like, this the room above it. So there was no reason to put the stairs there. Then there's also the door to nowhere, which is, I mean, to me, more easily explainable, like, on the second floor, an easy way to haul things up to the second floor. 
but still weird. It feels like a fun house. It kind of does. There's also the seance room, which is the only room in the house with bars in it. For some strange reason, she decided to build bars around it. Um, so I'm like going through this house, just kind of like, this is cool, a little weird. But then I was like, oh, there's a movie? I'm going to watch this movie now. So I went and watched that movie the, the night after I went to the Winchester house. And since I know that our listeners, or at least the people on Instagram, like my movie review of uh, Wrong Turn, I'm going to give you a quick movie review. It's probably like a six out of ten. <laughs> so like – What's it called? It's called just Winchester. Hmm. Um, and at least the folk fol- folklore in this movie about where she got the designs for these rooms is the murdered people from the Winchester Rifles – the spirits would visit Mrs. Winchester and they would design a room with her that resembled where they died. And she would try to help them move on. Did That's, she do it through Ouija or seance rather? I don't, I don't know if she did it through Ouija. I, I, I meant seance. In the movie, she didn't. Hmm. In the movie, she, it was very seance. Like she would be in a dark room and be drawing hmm. with like, her eyes closed or something like that. So theatrical. Very theatrical. So anyways, that was kind of the folklore in the movie for it. And like, I give it a six out of 10 because I like the, the history of it. And it was kind of a fun story, but also it had me laughing a couple of times. I was like, bruh. Um, it did also give me an explanation for the stairway to nowhere in the movie, mm-hmm. which, which I'm was? not going to tell you. Oh. <laughs> Where can I watch this movie? Uh, it's on prime. Okay. I'll watch it. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's a fun watch. So, in this same area, though, there's another famous legend. So, you may have heard there was kind of a famous earthquake that hit San Francisco in 1906. And for weeks afterwards, the city of San Francisco was burning. Just a fire that got out of control and burned tons of San Francisco, including large sections of areas that kept records. So this story cannot be confirmed, but in the Golden Gate Park of San Francisco, there's a lake, and this lake is called Stowe Lake. Now, the legend goes that shortly before 1906, there was a woman who had just recently had a baby. She was out for a walk with her stroller, and she had the baby, and she saw an acquaintance of hers. So she goes over and talks to the acquaintance and like they get pretty into this conversation. They're sitting down on a bench now. And finally, when she realizes, oh, I have my baby with me and she looks back to the stroller, it's gone. Now, hysterical, trying to find her baby, she runs around asking people, have you seen my baby? And then eventually comes to the realization that as they were walking around this lake, she'd parked the stroller on a slant down towards the lake. Mm. So she runs into the lake trying to find her baby. And allegedly, this is the last anyone saw her alive. Now, to this day, on thick, foggy days or nights, people report to hear a woman in the fog saying, can you help me find my baby? Or on these dark nights, they can hear screaming and crying around the lake. So I got to go to the Stowe Lake. There was no fog at the time. No baby. No baby. 
no people asking to find babies. Mm. Unfortunately, I couldn't confirm the story, mm. but it was a fun story. Dude, that's a good urban legend. It's a mm. good urban legend. And maybe on a foggy day, I'll go back and find out for sure. <clears throat> now, going backwards again, the way that I got here is I decided to take an unconventional route. I skipped all of the freeways and decided to take the loneliest road in America. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Oh, classic, Sean. It's the old the loneliest <laughs> boy on the loneliest road. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> wow, dude. Wow, dude. I'm trying to share some good stories with you, bro. <laughs> Do my boy dirty like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it is the old Highway 50 that goes through the middle of Nevada. And oh. there's one picture of the highway. I followed your location. Bro. On Find My Friends. First of all, creep. I was, okay, I was checking if my home beat. My home beat. My home beat was okay. Okay. That is actually Stowe Lake too, by the way. Oh, that's sick. With a little island in the middle? Yeah. But anyways, this road is bleak. As you will see when we pull up the picture. It looks like this for basically 300 miles. The thing is, you didn't you drive south? And then you took a hard right in the middle of nowhere. Yep. So I drove south from here to Great Basin. So this is the road. It's just miles and miles of that. Dude, how eerie is that? It's super creepy. Um, but anyways, I drove south to Great Basin National Park and then straight across the center of Nevada to get to Lake Tahoe. And it's just this road for hundreds of miles. Now, one of the creepiest things that happened, though, was I get to the middle of Nevada and I start seeing these dark, like, looks like rocks in the middle of the road. And I'm like, what is going on? And as I'm, like, driving, I swear that they're moving. It's day or nighttime? Daytime. And I'm just, I keep driving. And eventually I'm like, I can't, I have to find out what it is. So I slow down on this road and come to a stop. And I look out my window and it's. Thousands upon thousands of locusts. And they were just everywhere. But they weren't flying. They were just like hopping. It was so, it was one of the creepiest things I've seen. I had to get out of there real quick. (laughs) But the Highway 50 follows basically the old Pony Express route that went across Nevada at the time. And in 1991, I think, Stephen King took a road trip and followed this old Highway 50 hmm. and stopped in a little town called Ruth, Nevada. And a, he heard a story there or experienced there being nobody in the town or something along these lines and occurred to him, well, what happened to all the people? And he, it led him to write a book, which was called Desperation, huh. also made into a movie in the early 2000s, which I have to go and watch now because I just found that out. Hmm. But anyways, this highway has a lot of folklore around it as well, which I'll be sharing for our patrons. Oh. So if you're not a patron. Hit the hit the highway. Hit the highway here. 50. Be alone. <laughs> the rest of you can join us. Um, but if you're not, go to uh, patreon.com slash the 3AM pod. And for four quarters plus four quarters, <laughs> you can listen to the rest of these stories. 
But for so, the rest of you, thank you so much. And we'll see you after after the, the Patreon. After the, the Patreon. Okay, guys. For our Patreon patrons. Sean, that was wild. That was, I mean. I loved that. I love good old-fashioned, like, just, urban legends and uh, where things, like, started. Uh, it would be super cool if we kind of plotted out. Because we know of, like, four or five treasures that are cursed. Yeah. And we should just, dude, make a run. We got Six Mile Canyon. We got that one up in Montana we talked about. The we Navajo. Got Montezuma's Treasure. Montezuma's Treasure. One in, like, Heber or whatever. Dude. Oh, yeah. We should just go. I mean, we got to, I mean, we have like six chances we to find it. got nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything to gain, including curses. I mean, I'm okay with a curse here and there, you know? Me too. We go. We just bring some eggs with us. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, tonight was fun. I appreciate it. Yep. It's good to be back. Good to be back in studio. Yeah, it was good to actually be back after a couple of weeks off. and For sure. We're about a month away from episode 100, so Ooh. stay tuned. Um, we had a full house tonight. We had Ammon, Zeke, Mallory, Auntie Deb, Kalima. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, and for your support. Anything else before we close? Discord. Yeah. Join our Discord. We are planning on uh, implementing Discord benefits for patrons. But anybody can join Discord. Yep. If you want to come and hang out. It's getting more and more lively. It's fun. Yeah. Chatting about 3 a.m. and everything else. Yep. So, other than that, happy summer. It's getting hot here, man. Bro, it's so hot. I stay it's inside all day now. Hundred, a hundred every day. It sucks. said a hundred and thirteen in my car today. Gross. Oh, so gross. That's lame. So, uh, stay cool. <laughs> uh, love you guys so much. Thank you for your support. So, uh, trust your gut and watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Be careful out there. Bro, deviled eggs. <laughs> you like that? For you that? like that? No, you like that. Bye. I've never had a deviled egg. Yeah. What? They scare what? me. You never had a deviled egg? No. Bro, they're so good. Bruh. I feel like, how do you make it? You like scoop an egg, mix in mayonnaise and paprika and that's where you it stop all up me. and put it back in. The Bro, mayonnaise. that's so Hawaiian to like take something and like add a ton of mayonnaise <laughs> and then eat it. <laughs> anyway. Okay, bye again. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow.
on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us.